Coming up today, AFA Vice President Walker Wildman gives us a preview of next week's Super Tuesday primary and the issue that's becoming the focus of voters. So now we have immigration as the number one issue, and the reason that that is is because of what's happening on the border. Then Austin Brooks tells us about a video series examining what it looks like to be salt and light in the culture. All he wanted to do was remove those books from the children's section into an age-appropriate section of the library. He just recognized that this material is not good for kids, but they're clearly geared towards children. We'll also hear from Rebecca Davis and Rusty Benson as they share their memories of AFA founder Donald Wildman. Whatever the issue was at the time, Brother Don was just very staunch in his beliefs and he was not backing down. It's the weekend of March 2nd and 3rd. I'm Jeff Shambly and this is The Stand Radio. The presidential election in the U.S. is now just eight months away, and one of the key primaries is just days away. Here to talk about that is Walker Wildman. He's the vice president of American Family Association and host of At the Core on AFR. Hi, Walker. Hey, Jeff. Glad to be on the program with you. Super Tuesday's coming up this week. Uh, Why don't you give us an overview of that? Yeah, Super Tuesday, there's a a litany of states that have their primary elections on Super Tuesday. That's why it's called Super Tuesday, just because the the volume of states that are going to be having a primary election on on Tuesday, March 5th. So upcoming, uh, just to name a few big states, if you will, from a population standpoint, California's voting on Super Tuesday, Colorado, Minnesota, North Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, uh, and many, many more, including Virginia. Uh, So... uh, Super Tuesday has uh, well over a dozen, really close to, closer to two dozen uh, elections, uh, primary elections, just on that Tuesday, March 5th. Yeah, of the 16 states that are holding primaries, uh, which ones are the most important for Donald Trump? The, the number one uh, most important uh, for a primary would be Texas. They're okay. going to have about 161 delegates on the Republican side, mm-hmm. which is pretty hefty in comparison to a state like North Carolina. They've only got 74. Uh, not a small state of North Carolina, but much smaller than Texas. Uh, so Texas is going to be the key state uh, for uh, former President Trump. Uh, California, uh, I know it's considered a Democrat state, but for primary purposes, they've got 169 delegates up for play on the Republican side of the primary. What are some of the key issues that are driving the Republican race so far? Well, this is uh, we just had an interesting development in recent months, and that is the issue of immigration is now, according to Pew Research and others, Uh, Rasmussen as well. Mm -hmm. Immigration is now the number one issue amongst uh, voters, uh, amongst uh, voters, both Republican and Democrats. Uh, And in the past, the economy has been number one for decades. The economy has been number one going back to Reagan and prior. So now we have immigration as the number one issue. And the reason that that is, is because of what's happening on the border. So immigration, Mm -hmm. the economy, national security, and uh, our nation's fiscal debt. Those are the top three issues. So the old adage, it's the economy, stupid, is kind of in the past. <laughs> to, to an extent. The yeah. economy com- comes in at number two, according to Pew and others. But And so it's still important. But 
uh, immigration coming to to number one is a very interesting development that I think I think President Trump needs to capitalize on because this is his issue. I mean, that's yeah. how he won in 2016, talking about building the wall. So this could bode well for President Trump in November. Walker, the Democrat Party has seen support for unrestricted abortion as a winning issue. Have the Republicans moved off of their firm stance for the protection of the unborn? There has been some squirming on the Republican side politically on the issue of life, human life, and abortion. Uh, some Republicans try to take a more liberal approach and say, well, I'm, I'm in favor of not permitting abortion or outlawing abortion with these few exceptions. Um, there has been some weakening on the issue. But at the same time, I think largely speaking, the party itself is very pro-life, especially at the state level. I think the states and the governors across the country have are continually moving in the right direction on the issue of protecting babies from conception all the way through birth. What about President Trump himself? Uh, recent comments seem to indicate that maybe he is he's softening his stance a little bit, or at least measuring his language more than he used to. Yeah, President Trump is uh, going to be talking uh, how his advisors are talking. So okay. if he has strong pro-life advisors, of which he has had in the past, mm-hmm. he's going to be speaking the pro-life, using pro-life terminology and speaking to the Christian audience. But uh, when he has advisors in his camp that are speaking more moderate or more liberal on the issue of abortion and, and trying to trying to kind of talk him towards the middle— that's not going to bode well for President Trump uh, and the Republican base. Uh, so he's going back and forth on this issue. I think when it, when push comes to shove, I think he'll land on the side of the pro-life issue, uh, just as he did with his Supreme Court picks during his last term. What do you think about uh, the, the topic of election interference? Because I know that, obviously, President Trump is encountering a lot of legal problems with his accusations of election interference. Is there any buzz of that going on in the Trump team or in any, any other place that you're aware of? Yeah, I think that the issue of election interference when it comes to the Department of Justice and local prosecutors going after President Trump because they just don't like his politics um, is a major concern with voters. Even independents and Democrats don't like this uh, because they view it as as now Trump is the victim. He's a victim Mm. of the system that the vast majority of Americans don't approve of the system. So he's becoming a victim of the system, if you will. Uh, So I think this is actually going to help him, Uh, not only on Super Tuesday, but as we head in through the rest of the primary season in November, I think this is really going to help him. I would call it the sympathy vote. Nobody likes... Uh, the government going after people, especially going after them in such punitive ways. You know, this verdict of 400 plus million in damages is absolutely absurd, unfathomable. So I think this could really backfire on the Biden administration and the Democrats come uh, not only the primary season, but even in November. Walker, why don't you give us an overview of iVoterGuide.com because people need to be aware that that is an amazing resource for not only Super Tuesday, but in local races as we approach November. Give us an overview of that, if you would. Yeah, just over two years ago, uh, AFA Action, which is the governmental affairs affiliate of American Family Association, uh, of which I'm the CEO of, we acquired iVoterGuide as part of the AFA Action team, the AFA Action umbrella. And so what iVoterGuide.com produces is this very in-depth voter guide online, easily accessible for people in all 50 states. And what we're doing right now, the iVoterGuide team is going through thousands of candidates. We're going to hit 15,000, 16,000 candidates pretty easily just this uh, cycle of 2024. 
And we're not just doing kind of this surface level research. We're digging deep into campaign contributions. We're uh, asking them to submit a questionnaire. What's their voting record in the past? Who did they give money to? All of these these areas, all of these data sources, uh, we're putting them all together into one stop for voters. Yeah. That's over at iVoterGuide.com. It's an excellent resource for our audience. And of course, Walker, we want to urge people to steward their citizenship this next Tuesday and not stay home because primaries are important, aren't they? That's right. Primaries are where many candidates uh, in the general are chosen. Uh, okay. Primaries are very, very important. I would argue they're the most important okay. election uh, a part of the election uh, come uh, election season. So, yes, vote in the primary and also vote in the general. Very good. Walker Wildman, Vice President of American Family Association. Good to talk to you today. Thanks so much for having me on. A recent article published by Forbes said that Americans spend an average of three hours and nine minutes per day streaming digital media. That's a lot of time. That's over 21 hours per week. That goes to show how we're spending our time, but it also shows how important media is to us in this country, especially visual media. Austin Brooks is the director of American Family Studios, and part of his job is to produce media that has an impact for the gospel. Austin, welcome to The Stand Radio. Thanks so much for having me. Those numbers reflect uh, how much we are entertained as a culture, but it also shows us the number of people that can be influenced. Tell us what American Family Studios is doing to reach these people. You know, there's so many things that are out there in the in the in the form of entertainment that that pull our attention away. And so, at American Family Studios, what we try to do is to create resources and products that are going to uplift, inspire, and encourage people and point them to Christ. You know, I'm reminded of Colossians three two: set your mind your minds on things above and not on things of this earth. Mm -hmm. And so in the products that we create, that's what we want to do. We want to help people set their minds on things above. And so we, we point people to Jesus. We, we, we tell stories um, of, of people who are standing for righteousness Mm -hmm. and um, who are doing what they can to uh, represent Christ and stand for him boldly, uh, regardless of the consequences, whatever they may be. And so, um, that's, that's what we want to do. That's our mission is to, is to point people, uh, to Christ and to, to help them set their minds on things above. Austin, you've also started a new line of videos uh, at American Family Studios that highlights the countercultural aspect of what it means to follow Christ. How are you doing that? So we have a new documentary series called The Impact Series, and we've created uh, two episodes that have released so far, and a third one is going to release uh, in the next couple of months. But The Impact Series are basically a a series of stories that we want to tell of regular men and women who are standing for the gospel Mm -hmm. and who who are dealing with the consequences of that. And so um, we talked to Mark Nichols, who is um, a library board member at his local uh, public library, and he saw the kind of LGBTQ books that were on display in the children's section at his Mm. public library. And um, as a board member... All he wanted to do was remove those books from the children's section into an age-appropriate section of the library 
because um, he just recognized that this this material is not good for kids, mm-hmm. and um, and so once he once he kind of made that statement, man, the com- the LGBTQ community there in Arkansas just came after him, and uh, you know they said you can't you can't censor books. This is censorship, and he's like, I'm not censoring anything. I'm just I'm just wanting these are inappropriate for children. Let's put them in the in the adult section. He but just wanted to change the shelves. Just, just to, wanted to change the shelves, but they're clearly geared towards children because okay. they're they're cartoon, they're board books, mm-hmm. um, and so you know he took a stand and he. Um, you know, he was written up in the newspaper and he had, you know, some things mailed to his house and, um, you know, he lost business because of that. But he decided to take a stand and he decided hmm. to um, stand for righteousness in his community. And that was the uh, first story that we told. And then the second episode, we kind of wanted to deal with the issue of critical race theory in the public school system. And so we interviewed hmm. uh, two moms um, Patty Hidalgo Menders and She Van Fleet, and there, um, this this took place in Loudoun County, Virginia, and these two these two moms went to the the school board and said, "This is what critical race theory is, and we don't want our children to be to be taught this." And so yeah. they took a stand. Now She Van Fleet is actually um, she's a Chinese immigrant that came to America, and she grew up in communist China, and she. Um, talks about how she sees a lot of similarities with the Black Lives Matter movement and the social justice movements that are going on through through the country, and comparing that with communist China, mm. and uh, which is kind of um, eye opening uh, that she would recognize those those parallels. But um, we tackled critical race theory in that second episode, and then this third episode that's going to release um, is the Monica Kelsey story. And this is a woman who started a ministry to provide a safe surrendering of babies. So it's basically uh, the ministry is called Safe Haven Baby Boxes. And so these are boxes that are installed at fire stations, police stations, hospitals. Majority of them are in fire stations and um, a, a place where a woman in crisis that gives birth and is not able for whatever reason to take care of that child uh, can can go to a fire station, put the baby in the box, and have complete anonymity, uh, and no questions are asked, and that baby is immediately taken out of the box, cared for, and then placed into uh, into a loving home. Yeah. And so we we wanted to tell this story, and Monica herself, her testimony um, is that uh, she was uh, conceived in rape, and she was abandoned by her birth mother, and she was adopted into a Christian home and grew up, and she actually grew up to become a firefighter for a period of time, and, <laughs> and then um, just... Um, was on a trip in South Africa and saw a baby box at a church there in in South Africa and just had an, had the idea to start Safe Haven Baby Boxes and so she started that ministry and I think they've been she's been doing that since 2016 so um, and there's nearly 200 boxes I think across the nation now. <laughs> That's so. great. These are these are fascinating stories. Uh, I can imagine a church Sunday school class or our you know a Wednesday evening session with a church that wants to touch on Christian activism that could use these as examples. Are these like 30 minutes long that you can get them in a Sunday school hour or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. All these episodes are going to be between 25 and 30 minutes well, long. Short, so then. Yeah. we wanted to keep them short, um, and we tell a story in a very concise 
precise, you know, time frame, but okay. uh, but they are very powerful stories, and and again, they are stories of of courage. They're stories of people who are standing up where they are and being active. And, um, and you know, something that Monica says in her episode is she's like, you may not be able to do everything, but just do something, just do one thing, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. It doesn't matter how big or small, but if you're doing something for, uh, to impact the kingdom, like it, it, it will make a difference. Now, how can people find out more about any of these? Is there a website or how should they go about contacting you or the studio? All of our content can be watched on streaming.afa.net. That's okay. AFA's streaming platform that we have created. And you can find our documentaries on there, all of our curriculum. And uh, some things are available on there for free. It's free to set up an account. There are a couple of things that are um for reserved for our monthly donors. So the material is available to monthly donors that donate any amount. So there's okay. no uh, there's no specific monthly amount that anybody has to donate. So, but the streaming platform um, is where you can find all of our material. Streaming.afa.net. That's correct. All right, we'll put that in the show notes today. Austin Brooks, director of American Family Studios. Thanks so much for what you're doing and for sharing your time today. Thank you so much, Jeff. Throughout the month of March, we're reflecting on the life and ministry of the late Donald E. Wildman, the founder of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Affectionately known as Brother Don to those of us who worked with him, he had a tremendous impact on all of us. Rebecca Davis is the editor of The Stand magazine, and Rusty Benson is graphics designer for The Stand as well. We're here to talk about some of the things we remember about Don Wildman. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Rebecca, how did you come to know Brother Don? I honestly don't remember the very first time I officially met him, but I do remember some of my early interactions with him. I came to AFA for the first time in 2004 as a writer for the magazine. And so the longer I was here, of course, the more I interacted with him. And I guess one of my first memories of those interactions would was when he would start bringing the action alerts to my office for me to edit. Okay. And it was very intimidating <laughs> for him to do that. <laughs> but... Um, over the course of time, we I, I got comfortable with it, and we just kind of had a mutual understanding. I would make changes, and if he wanted to make those, he would. And okay. if he didn't, yeah. he wouldn't. And so that's just kind of how I got to know Brother Don's personality. So the action alerts, for those who may not be familiar, are those things that we would make pe- people aware of, issues they would respond to. Right, right. Yeah, it yeah. was just Brother Don would make a certain issue. Yeah. Um, for the would make it um, available for the public, for the public to know about, and then he would encourage yeah. the public to respond with yeah. an action. Mm-hmm. Rusty, what about you? You've been here longer, so what was your first recollection of Brother Don? I didn't know uh, Brother Don before uh, I came to AFA, although he and Linda were close friends with an, uh, my aunt and uncle. Okay. So we had connections family-wise, but I, di- I didn't know him uh, before I came to work here. What year was that? Ninety three. Okay, I think so. While it's been back. so long ago, I can't remember. <laughs> Rebecca, what what comes to your mind in terms of maybe a character quality? We hear the name Don Wildman. Mm-hmm. What uh, what is your impression? 
very quickly the word faithful comes to mind, servant leader, and then hmm. just the word called. I mean, he was 100% called to do what he did here through AFA. Yeah, that's good. Rusty, what about you? Um, a number of things, really. Integrity would be mm-hmm. one of them. Uh, Don was Don on any day, day or night, any time in the office. Uh, you knew what to expect. He was just a very consistent, uh, godly man. Um, compassion hmm. would be a word. He was always so kind. I mean, you can't work for somebody for as long as I worked with him without him knowing something about mm-hmm. your family and difficulties in your That's family right. from time to time. Everybody has them. He was always so compassionate. Let me mention another one, humility. He was the humblest of men. He he would come to my office and we would discuss a project or something he wanted me to work on for the radio station or something like that. Uh, he had an idea. I had an idea. If if he like, I, I might like his idea better. He might like my idea better. There was no. Uh, uh, well, he was just humble in that way. Yeah, yeah. And he was the same in public and in private. I think that's a, such a good point to bring out. Yeah. There was one brother, Don Wildman, that we knew, and, and he was always consistent. Uh, AFA, of course, was founded in 1977 as the National Federation for Decency. From the very beginning, uh, Brother Don had a unique way of understanding where moral decisions would take the nation. Uh, Rebecca, what were some of the issues that you remember from your early days that ended up having that major impact on the nation? I remember probably the Kmart boycott is that's that's the earliest boycott mm-hmm. that I remember. And then of course that moved to Disney and then to Ford as far as boycotts. And so as far as just specific issues, I don't know that I can can name specific issues, but the one thing that really stands out to me is that whatever the issue was at the time, Brother Don was just very staunch in his beliefs and he was not backing down. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about you, Rusty? I think in the big picture, the issue that uh, struck me the most was just the rejection of morality, uh, a rejection of God, basically, in, in, in the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had published something about humanism. I can't remember the name of uh, that publication at one time, but it was just the idea that uh, in our culture we were living in a time when more and more so uh, uh, a belief in God and uh, was being replaced by a belief in ourselves okay. as the arbiters of what was right and wrong and those kinds of things. You know that, and that's a, that's one of those those meta narratives of our story as a nation. It, it you know it goes well beyond the boycott of a store. When you're start talking about uh, humanism, and I've heard Brother Don uh, say in in video clips that we're not talking about a particular issue. We're talking about Western civilization at its right. core, and he really was early on uh, one of those to see that uh, as a consequence. Uh, what do you think is the greatest strength, Rebecca, for his calling uh, that God had given to him? I think just the fact that he was very unwavering in that calling. I mean, he, even in the face of adversity, and he was faced with a lot, but hmm. he he accepted that calling um, and 
and never backed down from it. And I remember, like you've said, through through different things I've read or video clips or this or that, how he often said he did not want to be in the spotlight. <laughs> like that is not what he desired, but that is, is where the Lord put him. And he fully accepted that and never backed down from it. Rusty, what about you? He was a clear thinker. He would take a complex issue and could see down to the fundamentals of whatever that issue was. As Rebecca said, he would come to a conclusion about it and a biblical conclusion and would not uh, back down. And I'd I'd also say, again, humility uh, would be one of his strengths. He never took things uh, negative or positive that personally, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he, I, you could try to pay him a compliment, but he, he wouldn't pay the least bit of attention to you. Yeah. <laughs> Come to think of it, he, w- he really would not like the segment of the radio that we're doing right now. <laughs> no, he wouldn't be participating in this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Rebecca, why do you think people continue to stick with Brother Don so faithfully through the years? You, you and I think of the Stan Magazine, formerly known as the AFA Journal, very loyal readers. Why did people stick with Brother Don? I think just very simply because he was real. I mean, he was just real. Hmm. Rusty, any impressions? Yeah, he was uncompromising. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think I could get any better than what Rebecca and I, said. And I he suppose people were looking for someone to voice what they were thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Brother Don was, was doing that early on. He was never swayed by the culture, you yeah. know, and, and, and people wanted to certainly hold on to that, rightly yeah. so. Rusty, this entire month's issue of The Stand magazine is entirely devoted to the life and ministry of Don Wildman. It's a commemorative edition of The Stand magazine. As graphics designer, what were your goals for this special issue? Well, we, of course, wanted to focus on Don and his life and his legacy and the things that had influenced him along the way. So I approached that in a very unadorned kind of way because Hmm. that's the kind of guy he was he would want things uh he wouldn't want any fanciness about anything (laughs) you know he would want a uh a utility of even about the way this uh, might look so that's uh, hopefully what we came away with well it's a beautiful addition congratulations on your work as graphics designer rebecca what do you hope people will come away with when they read this issue I hope they walk away with a real understanding of who Brother Don was, but more importantly, I hope they get a real glimpse of the one who made Brother Don the man that he was, and that that being Jesus. Um, There's no doubt, as I said earlier, that he was called for such a time as this, and I hope that his calling is clear in the commemorative issue, and I also hope that his example that that it, that you see on each page of the issue spurs others to take action because I think that that's what he would want. Yeah, well said. Great insights from both of you. If you'd like to get a copy of this commemorative issue of The Stand magazine, you can do that by subscribing to The Stand at afa.net slash The Stand. Rebecca Davis and Rusty Benson, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Next week, we'll follow a group of college students using drama to advance the pro-life message. Then we'll talk about the new film, Culture Warrior, that promotes courage and faithfulness to Christ in difficult days. Then we'll learn the steps to spiritual revival in the home. 
You can hear today's program as a podcast at AFR.net. If you have questions or comments about anything you've heard today, send your email to thestand at afa.net. We'd love to hear from you. And for important articles on culture, faith, and family, get your free six-month subscription to The Stand magazine by going to afa.net slash thestand. I'm Jeff Shambly. Join us again next time here on The Stand Radio.